Well, this is it. This is the first episode of Champagne is Also a Band podcast. I'm really excited to bring this to you, and I hope that you might find something really interesting about something that I hold really, really dear, and it's very special to me. And I hope that you see what is so special about the Champagne Urbana music scene. Thank you. Welcome to Champagne is Also a Band podcast. One songwriter, one song. I am Sven, your host for a journey into the music of Champaign-Urbana. Recorded in the Blue Box studio with a songwriter from the Champaign-Urbana music scene, past or present. Welcome to the first ever Champagne is Also a Band podcast. With me today is my guest. Did I just say my guest? <laughs> no, I think you said guest. Or did you say ghost? I said ghost, yeah. That's it. Uh, is my guest, Elizabeth Majuris. You may know her from such bands, obviously, from Moats. But also, she used to be in Beezus and Sarsaparilla. And a band called Deuce. So, a, a sort of short-lived band called Deuce. Yeah. Oh, how short? It was probably around for maybe a year and a half, but we didn't play that many shows. It was a side project for both of us. So, well, Elizabeth, thank you for coming on the show and being the first guest on the podcast. My pleasure. Excellent. So, um, let's see. You have an album coming out June 9th. Yeah. It's called uh, Crash the Day. Mm-hmm. And the song that we're going to be talking about is... Um, oh, look at that. I brought the album cover because awesome. it's so beautiful. We have this amazing cover with a collage by Paige Spangler, which we really are in love with. So. And is Paige, Paige is local? Yeah, she lives in Champaign and she's a local artist. Awesome. Too. Awesome. Well, so the... The song that we're going to listen to right now is uh, Came To, mm-hmm. and uh, let's just give it a listen now. All right.
right now welcome back um gosh let's see i don't know there's a lot to unpack with this song yeah um i guess uh, may i just like do some first impressions that i got sure, when i first absolutely. listened to oh, it the i'd love first to hear time. your first impressions um so of course the first thing that you hear is that drum intro and it mm-hmm. kind of fades in and mm-hmm. um it, my first feeling it, i guess after hearing the intro with the vocals and the mm-hmm. guitar coming in mm-hmm. is there it's kind of almost this uh i want to say kind of a strident determination kind mm-hmm. of rolling mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. because it's the undercurrent and it mm-hmm. just about is a motif that goes all the way through the piece mm-hmm. so um it, it becomes more i want to say the importance of that motif becomes more you become more aware of it Mm -hmm. as the song progresses and you hear more of the words. Mm -hmm. Um, There's... uh, I like undercurrent. It is kind of like waves with the round and its waves. And I do think that the kind of chorus of rounds that begins the song is very insistent. You know, it really keeps coming back and sort of asserting itself and insisting. The thing that hits me, and I don't know if this was even intentional, is I think your first word mm-hmm. i mm-hmm. sounds so insecure mm-hmm. i mean like this is just like i you know mm-hmm. and i i don't know if that was particularly intentional but mm-hmm. it just it has this feeling of like pleading mm-hmm. like i'm not mm-hmm. sure it's kind of I'm wavering like a, yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah well and just as somebody who sings and having to go through a studio process it's it's always that that first note is always so difficult i think mm-hmm. to just hit but um if you were to look at it as as like an imperfection or whatever but it's it's what makes that kind of beautiful it's kind of sets the mood as that this is coming in and this is going to be um a plea mm-hmm. like yeah, it's yeah. you know yeah i'm not sure how you're going to receive this but i'm just gonna i am mm-hmm. gonna just yeah, yeah. say something well, I was going to say, and, and I kind of loved the, just like, um, obviously, like Matt's guitar work. Um, he loves that tremolo bar. Mm-hmm. I love that. I mean, it's very, it's very dreamy, but, mm-hmm. um, and, and that's the nature of this, your style of music. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also, uh, once again, sets that undercurrent of like, uncertainty mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. in as the pitch wavers that mm-hmm. so right. so it's also the tremulous the tremolo yes. bar and that there's a tremulousness to the voices too i think because the rat the way and i like that i mean that that i like the the word i as the first person is so rarely standing by itself and there is something very naked about it you know and i think it's about to be added to there's a sentence happening that's coming bit by bit but when you first hear that first i you know yeah we don't know that yet and it's kind of just out there bare and i think that's a really i mean i've never really thought about it but it's interesting because it's a voice starting a conversation that's not easy right and kind of Mm. putting themselves out there and they are making themselves vulnerable and they're taking a risk with the person they're talking to so uh, well i mean i guess in that regard um that 
that accumulation of words. So mm-hmm. it's 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 like the repetition of that phrase where it's I mm-hmm. I came mm-hmm. I came to mm-hmm. and it's and it's it's even the underpinning of that confidence building mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. of being vulnerable of mm-hmm. opening up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I do think it's interesting that you uh, and Matt's vocals there's sometimes it's a back and forth as if it's a conversation like he echoes what you say mm-hmm. but that's uh, in much the same way as someone would be listening they're they're echoing it in their head as they listen to mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. and so there's that back and forth where you say I came mm-hmm. he says I came and then I came I came too mm-hmm. um but I think it's interesting that as the piece moves on, he then does your does your vocals in octaves. So mm-hmm. it's almost as if this this harmony, but really more not. It, so it's it's uh, monophony or whatever. <laughs> That's not even a word, unison? is it? <laughs> well, yeah, unison. Is that, is that, but I it's, don't. I um, mean, I don't have enough. You know, a rich enough musical vocabulary. I mean, I don't know. Are, are is singing in an octave apart is that unison or harmony i I would think i don't know well they're it's they're considered different notes Mm -hmm. but um when when there is no other part that is forming Mm -hmm. a chord or harmonies Mm -hmm. it's um but it it is very yeah unison Mm -hmm. i'm I'm shouldn't have even thrown out some um and the monophony is like like, a monophony i'm looking that is well uh, uh i basically took uh, pull up, uh, I can't even say it now. I'm so good with words. <laughs> um, uh, polyphony, or uh, uh, but basically, um, I know I'm saying the it's like the it's, polyphonic spree that yeah, kind of polyphony. Yeah, so okay. it's it's um, or no, it's homophony is is when it's all. So that would be mm-hmm. what I meant to say instead of monophony. <laughs> I made up a word and it's mine. No yeah. one else can have it. That's one um, awesome thing about the English language. We can actually make up words and if we can convince enough other people to use them then they become real words. Excellent. Yeah. I I I hope that you know in a thousand years when they mm-hmm. dig up this digital file. <laughs> like this is the first recorded use of the word monophony. Yes, we found Alert it. Alert the Oxford English Dictionary. That's right. Oh my goodness. Um I also, you know, towards the end, I, I, this is probably something that's going to be a, a repetitious part that I'll always point out. I always look for in the song what I like to refer to as like the anima voice, which is like this, the soul voice, hmm. like where it's, um, where it's the under, underlying source of it all, mm-hmm. or, or even the sense of hope, sense mm-hmm. of being, mm-hmm. sense of um, maybe even just anger or Mm -hmm. any kind of emotion that Mm -hmm. isn't necessarily prevalent in in the foreground Mm -hmm. so it's um so i like to find that one thing that seems to be it doesn't have to even be contradictory but it's something that is speaking the same thing but it's speaking it in this kind of like subtle beautiful way Mm -hmm. and um the anima voice that i actually found was the the how should I describe it? Kind of, it, it's the, I want to say the twinkling um, arpeggio type of thing that Matt is doing towards the end mm-hmm. as, as things are resolving. And it's it's just got that, um, 
sense of hope, even mm-hmm. though there's that that strident uh, drum beat mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, going through it. Um, but I, it's just it's wonderful to have those uh, those moments where it's just like this is something that I l- will look forward to to listen and hear when I'm when I start the song I'm like oh it's gonna come in mm-hmm, and it's gonna mm-hmm, be there mm-hmm, yeah, so I know how that is. Um, so I mean those were some of my first initial mm-hmm, impressions mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I guess I, I guess I should say is there we can go whichever way do you want to tell a little bit of a story about sure. this or yeah, there's actually I think there's kind of I mean there's not a story to all of our songs some of them just or else you know if there is we've forgotten uh-huh. You know, I mean, it's not that striking, but with this song, there really was a story, and it mm. really built up. Um, it sometimes a song there's like a germ of a song or a seed of a song, and it kind of comes out, and uh, you're not really sure whether it's going to become a song or if it's just a fragment that's never going to go anywhere. But this actually started with the chorus, and that. Mm round of I I came I came to I came to talk I came to talk you out of this and I was actually driving home from visiting my aunt in the suburbs of Chicago and my kids were both in the car and I was listening to the Jesus and Mary chain and um, sometimes when I'm listening to music you know and I think the kids were sleeping or something I'll just sort of sometimes I sing along or sometimes I just sing like I'll come up with some sort of thing that I'm singing you know Mm -hmm. that's not in the song I'm listening to but that goes with it or something and I started hearing this like other song as I was listening Uh do you know which song it was that you heard I don't even remember and I but you know it was Jesus yeah it was definitely Jesus and Mary Chain and it was a while ago now um and I kind of I kind of haven't really felt motivated to go back and try to figure it out because the song has its own identity now and I I just right. don't I mean that other it was like that's what kind of started me thinking about the melody and the mm-hmm. round but it, the song the Jesus and Mary Jane didn't even have a round in it it was just a part of a song that kind of sparked something in my brain so anyway um, so I started kind of singing that to myself and I, I liked the way I liked the idea of the round and the kind of call and response. And I also liked the idea of the way the meaning of the sentence builds as, you know, mm-hmm. I came and then I came to kind of that, like being woken up. I mm-hmm. came to, and then I came to talk, mm-hmm. you know, being kind of that announcement, like, okay, I'm here. Yeah. I'm not just showing up to like, hang out I came to talk this is there's something I want to talk about and then I came to talk you out of this like not just yeah. to talk but to talk you out of this and so anyway that that came up and I had it floating around and I I thought it was going to be a song that I would write that I would play guitar and that I would write this song and I started working on it and I just wasn't coming up with anything on guitar that felt like it was providing the foundation for the chorus that I was envisioning. Right. And it was frustrating because I really liked the idea of that melody and that, um, and those words. And I had an idea of like Matt and I singing that. And so 
in my frustration, I came to Matt and I was like, listen, I have this song fragment uh-huh. and I don't know what I'm, I don't know what to do with it. I've been, this is what I'm playing on guitar and I'm not really happy with it. And it was one of those moments where I was a little bit like, I hope he sees what I see here because I'm afraid it just is going to look like this little wisp of a thing and it's not going to, you know, he's not going to feel invested in it the way I do because I've been kind of living with it in my brain for a while, you know, a a few weeks at that point. And he said, well, I have this guitar part I've been working on and I I didn't really know what I was going to do with it, but I think it actually might fit. Uh. So he started playing it and it was like, just, they just melded. And it was really cool because it sort of, it fit really well, but it offered a different kind of coloration to the melody that really worked and I think made it more interesting to me. And his guitar part turned out to be part of the chorus or it, it was, turned up so being like the at, verse? At or? first it was just the chorus. That oh, that's okay. what, what we had. Yeah. And and it was it also kind of there were a couple of little aspects of the melody that changed a little bit when I started you know, when he started playing it and I started singing it. So that was cool. So it was neat the way it kind of came, these two things that were already in existence. It came to, yeah. Yeah. It kind of, they came together. And, um, and that was, that was cool. So we started working on that and then we, you know, he showed me the rest of the kind of guitar thing that he had been working on. And I started thinking about a melody and it started sort of turning into a whole song. But then I was really confronted with like, this is a chorus uh-huh. and it has to have verses. And oh, what are these on, verses going to be, no. you know? <laughs> yeah. And it was really tricky because a lot of our songs are a little more ambiguous, you know? I mean, mm. it was a very rhetorical chorus for one of our right. songs, you know? Um, it's about a conversation. It's about somebody trying to talk someone out of something. So I had to kind of create these verses where someone is... So there wasn't actually a specific, like, instance that you were... No, it was completely, like, abstract. You know, it was like an idea of a situation. There was no Hmm. specific situation in mind. So I started thinking about it, and I started thinking about different situations where one person might talk someone else out of something. And I ran into a problem I have with kind of stories and... And situations, like, I always am frustrated with things not expressing the complexity of life enough. Like, mm. if I see a movie and the ending doesn't seem to really kind of address the complexity of whatever situation the movie's been building, I'm dissatisfied. You know, like, I love happy gotcha. endings, but I hate happy endings that seem cheap. Like, they just kind of pulled it out of thin air or something. Right. And... So I was trying to think of a situation where someone might be talking someone out of something. And it's so complicated. Life is so complicated. Like, to imagine just going and trying to talk someone out of something, it just, there's a sort of hubris implied in that or a kind of Uh, certainty implied in that that I I was really coming up against as a songwriter, like trying to imagine a situation. So I I kept kind of living with it. And I, I actually think I'd written some lyrics for some kind of situation that I wasn't totally satisfied with. And it was, again, it was, so the song was further along, but it was still kind of on the shelf. Like the verdict was still out as to whether it was actually going to become a song. Hmm. And then uh, we went to the East coast to visit Matt's family. And while we were out there in New Jersey, where he's from, I 
got together with a friend of mine from Philadelphia, and we have a mutual friend, um, and she was kind of giving me an update on her, and she started talking about this guy she has had been dating, and just like how she really didn't feel like he was good enough for our friend and that he wasn't really Mm. respectful of our friend and he was holding her back in all these ways and she was really frustrated with the situation and she was sort of sharing it with me and I was frustrated and you know the frustration was building and um, at one point Mm. she said and our friend has is, is divorced and has a kid and at one point she said she doesn't like the kid or he doesn't like the kid he doesn't Ooh. like her kid mm. and it was like something just snapped i was like that is a deal breaker right like you can't be with this person and not like her kid and you know and this was a serious relationship where like he thought they should get married and mm. he was like i'll buy you an engagement ring and i was just uh. like ew like don't let this guy buy you an engagement ring right. like that don't don't get pulled into creating some kind of permanence with this person who's clearly not good for you who's clearly not supportive of you who doesn't like your kid and yeah. so it just sort of got under my, the, the story got under my skin and the the situation got under my skin and I, I was thinking a lot about it and you know this is a situation where we were talking about a mutual friend but my my Philly friend is closer to the mutual friend. I'm not really in a position mm. where I'm I'm going to say anything about this, you know. Gotcha. But I but I shared her frustration and the story kind of just started you know, it was it was really eating at my mind and I was like there's a situation where you want to talk somebody out of something, you know. Right. And may, there's there's a situation where you want to take a chance and say you know, I'm just going to put it out there. I'm going to say I don't think this is good for you. Hmm. And that's a hard thing to do as a friend because it's always hard to intervene in somebody else's choices about their romantic life. I think it's very difficult to really know what's going on with a couple's, you know, uh, their relationship. You are always such a partial um, observer of somebody else's relationship. And yet, yeah, you know, you know if somebody's being abused. Right. And in that kind of situation there's not the complexity question is not is no longer there is no longer complexity it's it's pretty straightforward you know right. if you love someone and they're being abused they yeah. need your advocacy at that point or whatever and so this seemed like a situation where although i don't think there was any sort of explicit abuse going on it was a kind of emotional inadequacy and just lack Hmm. of true respect and you know whatever so um so that really ended up being the situation that i wanted to express in the song so 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 it became about a specific situation oh okay but is it i almost got the impression that the different verses were almost a different story even mm-hmm, but it mm-hmm. seems like it's probably it could be the same i mean actually in the first verse my impression actually was i thought that it was i don't know i like a dating couple mm-hmm. and um like there was 
I don't know, unwanted advances, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's yeah. what, that was what I first took. Yeah. And then, uh, because it's, it, it's almost became like an argument of, look, I came to talk, mm-hmm. not, right. not so, these advances. So these are two you people, know, the, you know. the two people in the relationship where the people are talking. Yeah. 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 And that was, that, that, that yeah. was kind of, I, that was what my gut, my yeah, first yeah, gut yeah. reaction right, was. Yeah. I don't know if that, yeah. I mean, I know that that wasn't the intention specifically, right. but I don't know if that's interesting to you in right. a certain regard it is that interesting. it has well, that. Yeah, I think one thing, I mean, you, as you know, yeah. I love poetry. Absolutely. And I write poetry and I read poetry and I feel like I don't think that poetry is or should be a riddle Mm. Um, or some mystery. And I, I really dislike the idea that a poem is something where you have to figure out how it works and there's mm. an answer in there and you just have to find the answer. Um, I really feel like good poetry is always ambiguous, even if it seems really straightforward at first. You know, the more you read it and the more you unpack it, it becomes ambiguous when you start thinking about it. Mm. Um I mean, for me, if I feel like I've figured a poem out the first time I read it, I usually don't feel compelled to go and read it again, you know? Huh. Um, yeah. Or maybe sometimes I think I've figured it out, but there's just something about it that makes me want to read it, that makes me want to read it again. And then when I go back to it, I realize, no, I didn't figure it out. Hmm. There's more going on here. I mean, I always say poems are like people. Um, you know, whatever you see at first, there's more there. Right. And I think poems are like people too in that, you know, some people you don't really click with and you don't get along with and that's okay. That doesn't make people uninteresting or bad in general. There's also people you do hmm. click with. So people who say they don't like poetry, I'm always like, well, maybe you just haven't read, met, you know, enough poems that you click with. And if you explored more poetry, maybe you would like poetry. But anyway, I, no, I'm getting on a tangent. <laughs> but I think when I wrote this song, and I think this is true of all songs that I write, I want it to be ambiguous, right? I don't want, I don't want to give you a clear story that I want you to come away with. And that's not to say that there's, there's a lot of songs that I really like that are more straightforward story. Like, you know, like I really like old time country music, for example, and hmm. you know, or like kind of f- old folk ballads and stuff, which often right. have what seems to be a pretty clear story. But anyway, um, so I think when I wrote th- to me, the verses are all the same story but there's an ambiguity and i and i you know like the the opening lines of the first verse um are this is a tangle that you can't unravel Mm. and when i hit on those lines i liked them because a tangle can describe a lot of different situations right and an inability to unravel a tangle is a pretty um common human experience and so i kind of wanted to start out like with a very general situation Hmm. Um, and even the, the line, as it, as the verse goes on, you know, this, this started as a kiss, but now it's fists and inquisition again, still pretty general, like right. fists that could be, you know, abuse. It could also be someone just bawling their fists up in frustration. Like there's, you know, angst and anger and mm-hmm. frustration going on in the relationship and it's not harmonious in whatever way so um and you know the word inquisition again can mean a lot of things it can be extremely strong and harsh um or depending on how you see it 
yeah. you know, certainly not pleasant or harmonious, but less strong in her. So anyway, um, so that's sort of the beginning, and then it builds from there. And then it, I think it gets more specific as the as the song goes on. But yeah, yeah. So in any case, when I when when I started thinking about us again, it's not necessarily that the song is about my friend's situation. It's more that that situation created a story in my mind that was resonated with her situation and I felt like it completed the song. When you brought the song to the rest of the group, well, I guess being a three-part, yeah. it 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 makes bringing the song to only two other people mm. easy. Yeah, pretty um, easy. Yeah, and and since it seems that the you and Matt Mitchell had already started the process, then it's just bringing in mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Matt Cohn. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, did did he come up with the drum beat or yeah, did you have no, that no he came up with it yeah, entirely yeah. yeah i mean you know our our songs are always very collaborative like even if one of us has what seems like a complete song to bring mm-hmm. to the other ones that song shifts and shapes and morphs so much um as we're working on it and i think matt cone's drumming is just such a crucial part of our sound like he changes every song so mm-hmm. much with the kind of drum stuff that he brings and sometimes it can be kind of challenging at first like you've been playing the song by yourself in your bedroom uh-huh. and you bring it to the band and then he's playing a rhythm that at first doesn't feel like it fits and you're playing your guitar and you're right i mean you kind of have to submit a little bit and allow yourself allow the song to be shaped a little bit but i think ultimately it makes the songs way more interesting that hmm. There's a, you know, there's something that's not the obvious thing to play with whatever guitar part you brought. And I I like that a lot. So I think he came up with something that was not necessarily, you know, I really didn't have a preconceived idea of what, um, what the drum part would be like, but he came up with something that really felt like it grounded it and it gave Mm. it a kind of, like you're saying that kind of, there's a rhythm to the round of the of the chorus and I think the drums also create this momentum. I guess I picture it being kind of a more of like you bring an acoustic version of of a song mm-hmm. which is just like guitars and mm-hmm. and vocals. It actually fascinates me a lot that you came up with just a very, you know, this this parsed out little piece. Yeah. And um it it was just a melody mm-hmm, at yeah, first. Yeah. You played the bass on a majority of songs, or would you say... Yeah, I would a, a, say, a, I mean, it's a little more than half. I'd say it's oh, about okay. 60-40. Like, I okay. play bass on about about 60% of our songs and guitar on about 40% of our songs. Okay. Um, and that's not necessarily... A, 
for Matt Mitchell and I, guitar is our first instrument, okay. both of us. Um, okay. I don't know what, I mean, we both enjoy playing bass, and I think that's mm-hmm. why we... Switch. Switch. <laughs> and we also both enjoy playing guitar. I mean, we've right. been in bands, like, we were in a band. Actually, one thing, I, one band I didn't mention that I should mention oh. to you, we were in a band called Villacula. Oh. It's V-I-L-L-A-C-O-U-L-A. I, I, I don't... You didn't mention that, and I, I forgot to mention it, but we were in a band called Villacula for um, a couple of years with um, a drummer named Victor Cortez, who was uh-huh. the bass player from Matt's first band, Rectangle. Oh. And I played guitar in Villacula, and Matt played bass. Mm. Um, and that was really fun. Uh, but I think I think we both enjoy playing bass, but we also both enjoy playing guitar. So... And we also enjoy, there's a lot of things about being a three-piece that are appealing. Um, And it's also, partly it's just the simplicity of like, you know, the more people involved, the more complexity of schedules Mm -hmm. and, you know, opinions and whatever. But I think there's also something cool about the sonic space of the three-piece that we really like. So anyway. Well, just... uh, So that was a preface to a question. When it was brought to the band then you just fill in with the bass line or you yeah, know for this I don't, song, I, i'm just curious yeah no that actually well this know. is first of all this is really unusual for us i mean oh. like i i almost never write the melody first okay and because i've i've been a singer for much longer than i've been uh anything else um okay. i mean i played piano for a little while when i was little and I played flute for a little while but I mean I don't I never really committed to any of those things and I did mm. sing in choir my whole life and I don't I always stop and I, I have to pause and say I don't really consider myself a singer I mm. consider myself a human being who sings and there are singers and there are people who are born with musical instruments in their throats you know and they're amazing and I, I really mm-hmm. admire and respect them and it's just such a a wonderful thing to have that kind of vocal instrument and you know i i'm just a person who sings so and i enjoy singing and i i'm you know proud of the singing that i've done um but anyway singing was my first love i guess is what i should say i was i was always in choir i always loved to sing i sang as a kid just enjoyed singing um and so making up a vocal melody or harmonizing that all comes really naturally to me like making a harmony with my cousins when we were washing the dishes as kids that uh-huh. was just something that I'd done a ton and you know I started playing guitar later on in life and so because coming up with a guitar part is more challenging for me mm-hmm. than coming up with a melody oh. um, I always I tend to write the guitar part first or sometimes I'll write a bass line and, and, and then sing along with the bass line mm. but I kind of want to do the hardest thing first and then shape the thing that's easier for me around that. If that makes any sense. No, that makes a lot of sense. So for the melody to come first, and I think that's maybe part of the reason I was having a hard time coming up with something on guitar that I really thought was interesting because I think one advantage to writing a guitar part when you don't have a melody in mind, or at least for me, the way my songwriting works is, I end up coming with, up with a lot more interesting stuff on guitar because there's no parameters, you know, right. limiting yeah. what I could do. And so, you know, like I, I will just make up a chord, you know, and it's, it's, a, it's a chord, but I don't know what it's called. It's just I put my fingers on the fretboard in a certain way and it sounded 
kind of cool, but a little weird. And then I changed where my pinky was, and then it sounded all cool, and I got go with that. And you know, um, whereas when I when I had the melody first, it was like, well, it's A, and then D, and then G, gotcha. and suddenly it felt like I was back learning uh-huh. how to play guitar and playing "Feeling Groovy" by Simon and Garfunkel or something like that. And you know, it was just like I I wasn't really able. At, at least with that particular melody to do something that didn't just sound really kind of perfunctory to me. So mm-hmm. matching it up with Matt's guitar part that he'd already been working on was opened that up for me. And then we brought it to, I, I think what happened with came too is that we brought it to Matt Cohn and he started, you know, he, he came up with the drum part and then the bass part was the last thing that happened. That was, I just basically, you know, wrote a bass, I wrote a bass part that, I felt sounded good with the song and that was that I could sing with, you know, with singing while playing bass. That's always kind of the challenge is coming up with a bass line that you can sing along to. Yes. Which is harder than a guitar, you know, on guitar. So I, I was ended up being happy with the, the bass part that I came up with, but, but that was definitely the last piece of the puzzle. I don't, I don't mean to pigeonhole you into a bassist, but, I always think of you as the bass person, so it. Yeah. You know, well, that's you did, fine. Yeah. I don't mind that. I, yeah. That's you know. But uh, so I, I just I was curious as to your your normal mode, mm-hmm. but it sounds like you just find something really amazing on the guitar mm-hmm. and then build mm-hmm. vocals. And now, have do you ever have it where you're just I have a melody and like you're just playing the guitar and you start kind of humming or doo doo doing mm-hmm. or yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. and then and then you build words over it yeah oh or, absolutely okay. i mean and I, it's true that oftentimes almo- almost always the melody comes first and then the, and the words come last oh, okay because i'm i find it much easier to come up with words that work with a melody than mm. to try to create a melody to that works with you know cuz words, cause words mm. i mean i love poetry but words you know, you don't know how many syllables you need really until you know what the melody is. You right. Know? And so, I always think about um, the so- the story. I I don't remember when I was a little kid. I I I mean, I was really into the Beatles, and I read a lot of Beatles biographies when I was like twelve. Mm-hmm. And um, I was always really struck. Like apparently, the song "Yesterday," um, Paul McCartney wrote that song, mm-hmm. and it was "Scrambled Eggs" first. For the longest time. (laughs) And I think that's funny. And I think about some of the, you know, songs. I mean, on our first record, Keep It in the Dark, the song Great Lake, I ended up being really happy with those lyrics. But I had lyrics for that song that I just hated. They just were like (laughs) awful, cheesy, (laughs) terrible Uh lyrics. And I carried them around like a suitcase full of stinky socks or something just oh god these lyrics just yeah they're not gonna do and Mm. then you know i just was like okay forget it those lyrics are going out the door i'm just gonna start over and i did and i was just so much happier with what i came up with so Mm. sometimes you have to sometimes you write words and it's sort of like a place marker you know Mm. scrambled eggs yes (laughs) all my whatever oh my hash brown seems so far away there it is <laughs> um so well i mean thank you so much for you know sharing about your song and oh, and no the development of it and uh so and and you know we we uh 
I made sure that we had your your favorite beverage yeah, or treat, yeah. which um, I, when you first said black tea, I was like, really? That's, <laughs> that's your thing? Okay, that's cool. But so even though it is hot as Hades in here, <laughs> um, we've got the fans. And, you know, I mean, really... That's why we do it I for mean, the do fans, you have, right? Do you have any? We do it for the fans. That's right. <laughs> do you have any um, sponsors? Because I think Tazo might be interested that we are <laughs> drinking Berry Trifle Black Tea, brightened by strawberries, blueberries, and raspberries this afternoon, and they might want to pitch. They in might a just want to hire you. They might want to buy you a microphone. <laughs> that would be amazing. You know, microphones are expensive. Sometimes. I've heard. Yeah. I have heard. We actually have a friend who's an engineer for sure, mm-hmm. which is awesome. That's great. We, you know, one one year she wasn't using her discount, so like I guess she gets one discounted mic a year or something. So she was like, "I'm not oh using my. my discount this year. Do you want? Do you want to buy a discounted mic?" And we were like, You're "Yes." Like, <laughs> is that is that what you do when you go to um, to a website and you pick? Uh, sort by expensive (laughs) and then you make sure that the most expensive things are up at the top Mm -hmm. and then you're like microphones Mm -hmm. and then (laughs) I don't know actually I would yeah I don't I can't tell you what I would probably try to pick although I love that SM7 mm-hmm. I, I could use like four more of them if anyone wants well, to well Tazo uh, you know if you're out there and listening yep. um, we're drinking your tea and we're telling the masses how delicious it is, it is. and really how refreshing on a warm yeah. afternoon yes Sven and I were talking earlier about the scurrilous lie that has been spread that hot tea on a hot afternoon actually cools you down which I don't believe I, I think it, it forces you to sweat profusely and, sweat and then you cool down. Maybe it makes you feel so hot that when you're done drinking the cup of hot tea, you're like, wow, I'm, maybe I'm not as hot as I thought I was. Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to support Exile on Main Street. Exile on Main Street, located in the old train station building at 100 North Chestnut Street in downtown Champaign, has been helping to build record collections since 2004. Carrying a wide array of new and used LPs, CDs, and video games, Exile on Main Street has something for just about any music enthusiast and old-school gaming devotee. Exile also hosts regular free live music shows on its stage, so be sure to check out their Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages for the up-to-date details on the next upcoming event. Open seven days a week. They can be reached by phone at 217-398-MAIN. That's 217-398-6246. I feel like I could keep digging on that one song or even more yeah. about moats and yeah. well you're and welcome I mean ask me as many questions um, as you want I'm here to uh, I'm here for the fans and I'm here for you oh yeah well we have two two fans you one's a really them. big fan yeah, and another one's more of a tiny more aloof yeah fan. there's a big fan and then there's one who's kind of standing in the corner <laughs> that's right mm-hmm. maybe we need to reach out to that yeah. fan yeah um, well uh, I was gonna say so I guess if you can't answer one, you can answer your top five, top three, whatever. So what is your favorite deep cut song from a 
local Champaign-Urbana band. Oh, man. I know. It's it's a pressure question. That is a pressure question. I should have um, warned you, but... Well, I don't know. I mean, what do you... How do you define... I don't want to go get into the question um, what, you know... What I'll it, give what one. What a deep cut is. Well, no, I mean... Oh. You can give one. I want to hear your answer, too. Oh, okay. But I, the question of deep cut, I think, is a, a more complicated one with a local band. Well, that's part of it. I, I, yeah. I say that a little Okay, with, little with your tongue in your cheek. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I really like the song, The Cats Are in the Conversation by Windmills. Yeah. They have a record, like, that is partly done that I really want them to put out. And so let me just say right now, Windmills, put that record out. Just put it out. It's going to be great. Yes, put it out and then come on the show. Yeah, absolutely. And then we'll talk. Right. So, yeah. and it's from, um, it's from an album they put out, which I'm not 100% sure. It might have only been downloadable. I, I, maybe they put out physical I I haven't seen copies. any physical copies. And it's called Valuable Coupons Inside. Okay. So, I really like that. I, I love, I love women. I might and I love that have song. listened to that on Bandcamp or something yeah. and unfortunately not bought because i'm not uh, you you can only spend so much um but i I will actually say my oh go ahead and then i also wanted to say one um one more i really like angie heaton oh yeah who doesn't who doesn't exactly um and i'm just i'm hoping to get her on this the song i just I, i really love angie's music in general but she's got this great song on her first record called Trans Am. Do you know that song? I probably do, but I'm not. I'm, I'm so bad with titles. Don't bitch, because we're bringing the Trans Am. Don't yeah. bitch, because we're bringing the Trans Am. It should have been like, it, it is so top 40, like radio gold. <laughs> and, but I, it's kind of even more precious because it's, you know, it's not top 40 it's mm. just angie's awesome yeah. song on her first record and it's amazing and i was lucky enough i've known angie for a long time when i was in bezos um bezos almost overlapped with angie's first band corn dolly oh, but right. not quite like they probably stopped they probably played their last show like four months before we played our first show or something like that unfortunately uh. so and then i think we would have been an amazing bill together but um but so Angie and I got to know each other pretty early on um, in my time in the Champaign-Urbana music scene. And I actually got to hear her first record as demos. It just blew the top of my head right off. It was just so awesome. Of her as Angie Heaton? As, as in her first solo. Okay. Yeah, her first solo it's record. First solo. Gotcha. And I mean, I knew her as the drummer from Corn Dolly and she didn't <laughs> sing in Corn Dolly. And like... Right. Just that she had all these amazing songs just coming forth yeah. and playing guitar. And I mean, just really incredible. So, you know, it's it's the kind of thing where you meet somebody. It's like I was saying earlier, like, people are always more complicated than you realize you think. I know her. She's well, the drummer from Corn Dolly. And then you realize, no, she's like an amazing singer-songwriter with these incredible melodies and these, like... Mm really interesting funny poignant lyrics and yeah so yeah well and i have to say at least with angie um her solo work 
uh, her the stories that she kind of weaves out with um, with her songs. I always get the sense that it's like it's you can take it at face value and get the story exactly mm-hmm. as it is because it's mm-hmm. sometimes it's very very literal. Mm-hmm. But I also I also kind of get this like it's there's a wink and a nudge to that uh-huh. you know like yeah, yeah. just like there's yeah. something else in there right yeah yeah you yeah. know and it's one of those things too that you can hear the same song for for years and then oh, if you absolutely. put it put it away and absolutely. then you come back to it you're like oh, oh man totally i have had yeah. that experience so many times of just having like your mind completely opened up by thinking about something or even just a lyric that you misheard right and then somebody's <laughs> like no that's not it and you're like it, it like a phrase is different than you realized and then all of a sudden the song totally opens mm-hmm. up or i mean i'm a huge Joni mitchell fan and my favorite record um is blue of Joni Mitchell's my favorite Joni Mitchell record is blue and there's a song in there called little green and I listened to that song for years and years and it just it seemed to kind of tell a story of some sort but it was really ambiguous Uh and I thought that was cool and I didn't I didn't really think about it too much but I had my idea about what it was about this little green you know and it had a lot of kind of images about childhood or whatever and then I read a biography of Joni Mitchell and she had a baby when she was like 22 and she gave uh-huh. her for adoption in Canada and the song was about the, the girl you know the little girl uh-huh. that she had to give away when and this little baby that she had to give away and it was just like all of a sudden all these ambiguous lines and images that really yeah. work just as ambiguous mm-hmm. but it just it told this story that was just so like beautiful and heartbreaking it was like huh. and I was really happy that I didn't know that story at first, you know, right. I, I'm happy that I got to have kind of one kind of relationship with that song. And now I have a different kind of relationship and they both exist still within the right. song, you know? Well, it's like you, you got to see the paint, like the same painting, but yeah. with different glasses. Absolutely. You know? Totally. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I love about art. I mean, that's why we need art so much because mm-hmm. There is so much complexity and there are so many different things, ways to look at things. And art helps us understand that and come at things with more humility, really, like yeah. than just thinking, you know, right off the bat how to interpret something. And I, I honestly, truly, deeply in my soul believe that's why we need poetry and painting and music right now in this yeah. time when we have so much political polarization and there's so many different voices shouting at each other and trying to claim the same idea for their side and pulling at it and tearing at it like I really believe that you know people who participate in those conversations the more they're exposed to and have a relationship to any kind of art right I think it will help them step back and and see things with a little more complexity what is your favorite non-musical thing in the world? Or or, or the universe. Mm-hmm. That's fine. You can expand to universe yeah. as well. <laughs> my, uh, favorite, my, my favorite non-musical thing in the universe. That is such... I have such a hard time with favorites. Like, if you ask me what my yeah. favorite book is, I always say, like, six different books, at least. Well, um, you could say five wonderful things, things that, non-musical okay, things so that just really float your boat non-musical also non-musical is tricky because music is sort of it has like blurry edges you know like i would like one answer that i could give is poetry Mm -hmm. but i think you could definitely argue that poetry is musical you know poetry has music um it's not a music that 
has notes, musical notes, but it has music sonic qualities. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think, I mean, one of the things I'm, I'm really excited about poetry and, and love poetry. So I would say that, um, I mean, I love food. I really love food. I love to eat, but I also love the way food is like, I love the fact that food is nourishing and it can be delicious and nourishing at the same time. And I'm very interested in food that tastes really good and also kind of leaves me feeling good and feels like it's it's nourishing my being in my life. So uh, I don't know if there was any other fantastic, fabulous things that you enjoy in terms of, you know, as your non, non-musical favorite thing. Or? Well, one thing I really enjoy is being alone actually hmm. and okay that's, i'll leave Jeez. okay yeah, right. this conversation <laughs> has gone on long enough but and so sometimes when i'm alone like i really love listening to music but sometimes if i'm alone i just like to just have it be quiet hmm. i think especially as somebody like i have a full-time job i'm a teacher so that's really an engaged job mm-hmm. where you're talking to people or you know um a lot and even if i'm alone i'm like grading papers or whatever and you know i have two kids who are awesome and i love spending time with them but you know so i live with other three three other human beings and a cat who's like more like a dog so she's very demanding Mm. she wants to you know get love right as all cats should and don't we all and don't we all um so like i just really i don't get to to be alone a ton and i i just love spending time alone so that's something that i Mm. i value a lot because it's it's a rare commodity i think it's a it's kind of a privilege to be able to enjoy being alone right because yeah it's there's a difference between solitude and loneliness and if you Mm. are choosing to to have that time alone then it's solitude but if you don't have a choice it can be loneliness and that's right um that can be really hard so i do really enjoy being alone but i didn't i think i didn't know that like i was you know when i was in my Mm. early 20s i had a roommate who had to leave town for various reasons and she it was easier for her to just she was like going off to get this really great job somewhere and she was making enough money at her new job that it was easier for her just to like pay the other half of the rent than to get a subletter which was kind of good because i didn't really want i like a brand new weird strange roommate right. um but i didn't i wasn't that excited about like living alone in a two-bedroom apartment and then mm. it turned out like it was awesome and i loved it nice So would you say you're an introvert or an extrovert? I mean, I know there's Or an all, ambivert. Uh, I, yeah, if that's... Yeah, I think... That is the an thing. An ambivert, ambivert, yeah. Um, I'm generally extroverted. Like, I definitely enjoy people. And I, I know, like, one... These are complicated terms, and there's different yeah, ways to be yeah. them. But I know one thing that I've heard is that introverts can be very social, but it drains them. And extroverts social situations kind of feed them Mm -hmm. and i definitely think talking to other people and being in social situations feeds me like i get kind of hyped up and Mm -hmm. so i have you know close friends who are introverts and it's like if we go to a party together like i 
always have a lot more stamina for a party than some right. of my close introvert friends. So I think I am an extrovert, but I think I definitely have introvert qualities and having being close to other introverts or being close to introverts, I think has kind of helped me develop my own inner introvert. Like I, mm-hmm. I really like being home. Yeah. And although I also really like going out and sometimes I have to kind of force myself to go out and then I go out and I'm really glad I went out. Right. But if there's just something so lovely about being home and just, you know, putting on your comfy pants and yeah. flopping down on the couch and chilling out. I mean, who, who, who doesn't love that? Right. You know? So I, I, yeah, I'm definitely an extrovert, but I, but I have, I'm an extrovert who loves solitude or maybe an extrovert with a big strict streak of introversion, something yeah. like that. I or mean, an it's, ambivert. it's not, it's not too unlikely. Right. Yeah. Well, I was just, I'm, I'm hoping that all of the introverts put on their comfy pants and come and, no, and had come out to your show. Because of course yeah. this will be after. Yeah. Com- it will be, uh, after. Hopefully they have come out to our show, but I'll just say to the introverts out there, you know, we understand if you want to come to our show and don't come, there'll be another show and you can come to the next one. But we That's want, true. we want you to come out and, you know, if you, if you're not feeling like saying hi, you can just wave or smile or yeah. flash your eyes at us. But I, I will say this about, uh, it's being in a band, I, I'm the only extrovert in my band, <laughs> I would say. And I, yeah, I, you know, it, it's an interesting position to be in because I end up being the face of the band, mm-hmm. I think more than really is accurate in terms of the music. Like there's two singers in our band, you know, we all are equal partners in the collaboration in our band. So I don't, this is not in any way like my band. In fact, I was the last person to join this band. What? Yeah, absolutely. Matt Mitchell and Matt Cohn were down in the basement, like <laughs> jamming for a while. And <laughs> Matt Mitchell kept saying, why don't you come downstairs and, and play with us? And I'd be like, uh, I'm too busy, too busy. <laughs> and then finally, um, you know, I I was like, okay, cool. That's yeah. That's actually, I I think that's kind of funny because yeah. it it's true. You do come out as much more of like the spokesperson, mm-hmm. the um, <laughs> you know, the the face. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I think mean, that, but, that is true. Um, but I'll tell you, I I think that's amazing it's mm-hmm. it's very important that there are more bands out there that are fronted by women i agree wholeheartedly i think more just, women need to be involved in rock music and i'm happy that there are women in our scene who are you know um you know playing music and and i i want to see more and more of that i want to see more women involved in music and i also want to see sometimes i look around at shows and I think there need to be more women coming to shows too. And I hope Mm. that, um, that women feel like shows are a place they feel welcome and comfortable and, you know, that they feel comfortable coming up to the front and, you know, Mm. I really, let's not go crazy. Nobody really (laughs) wants to come up in the front in in the CU music scene. There has to be that, that bubble. It is funny the way like you play in other towns and it's like, there's just people standing like, two and a half feet from your face and you're like this is different this yeah. is a different way of it's doing like, things how does the monitor sound from where you're standing right there it's like, does it sound you, good yeah is there yeah. no vocals yeah. yeah I love I mean I love playing a show and, and there's 
somebody visible from the stage who's obviously really into it. It changes everything. It just mm. feeds you. It can it can turn a show from like a mediocre show into a great show. Like right. just feeling like there's even if there's I mean and there might be like twenty people standing there visible from the stage who mm-hmm. are enjoying it, but seeing somebody bobbing their head or kind of dancing a little bit, you know, I mean that can, or just smiling and kind of grooving a little bit like that. I think that's really great. And I, I I love audience members who are expressive like that. That's, you might get me to bob my head, but I, somewhere along the lines, (laughs) I just got embarrassed in the way that I move my body. And so that's hard. um, So, I mean, that's, that's fine. That's what, that's what, uh, you know, having your private time and dancing yeah, around right. is, yeah, is yeah, for. Absolutely. So. Yeah, you should. I mean, I think everybody should be feel comfortable just being the way they feel most comfortable being. So I never, I would never want anybody to be like, I feel obliged to bob my head now. No, you know, well, and I, I think everybody should just do shows. And I, one thing I, I appreciate too is when people like come to shows by themselves and just, you know, like feel comfortable doing that. I think that's a really brave thing to do. Um, I know I've often like wanted to go to a show and not had anybody to go with and then go by myself. And I just feel like so, so much less comfortable at a show all right. by myself. But when I see somebody else at a show on their own, I, I feel like that's totally valid and people should mm-hmm. do that. And I want people to feel comfortable doing that. And I want to feel comfortable doing that. Like, you know, if you love yeah. music, you don't always have a friend who's free the same night. You know, your, your friend who loves the same band might feel like staying home in their comfy pants that night. And, so you go by yourself sometimes. And well, there's also, an, I mean, I hate going to a show where I'm, I'm at the front listening to, like, especially if it's a band that has quieter, mm-hmm. you know, um, I mean, you know, somebody like Emily Blue or Fiona Kimball, who, and, yes. you know, right these days, last time I saw Fiona, she had a full band and she was a lot louder, but sometimes she does, you know, solo thing and yeah. it's just so beautiful and there's so much, um, the, the space between the sounds is so important and the quiet parts of the songs are so important and if I hear usually I think champagne is a respectful enough scene that people do go to the back if they want to talk but like if you're talking loudly in the back you can still you're you're still creating this clamor that's making it harder to just really experience the music and I just I do I, I it's all I can do not to like turn around and shush people like a librarian or something but anyway but i will say one thing about the champagne scene tending not to be as um standing up toward the front i mean i really do also appreciate a room that's you know medium full but everyone is back Mm -hmm. so that you they're out of the lights of the stage just feels so much less inspiring to play for than a room where there's people standing and even a few people standing up closer to the stage can make a big difference and i i've started thinking maybe we need to do something like have candy or something in bowls at the front of the stage or something because i know when we played the cover-up this year we did yola tango yeah and we did my little corner of the world Uh and um you know for various reasons i play i played bass on all the other songs and that song doesn't have bass in it it just didn't seem like adding bass was necessary and um so i i i just sang which is fun i actually really love just singing or just playing guitar like i enjoyed doing both but it's really nice to be able to focus on one Mm -hmm. or the other and so but i i because i'm so used to singing with either a guitar or a bass in my hands i always feel really like i don't know what to do with my hands i don't know how to stand and 
last year or not two years ago at the cover up we did cat power and that was cool because uh, sean marshall when she's singing without a guitar in her hands she just has such she has such cool gestures and stuff uh-huh. that i sort of let myself be inspired by that and i allowed myself to gesture a lot but i felt like that was possible because i was i was kind of embodying her in a way mm-hmm. you know yeah so anyway so i was trying to figure out well what am i going to do and it's such a sweet song and it's got such a kind of um generous feeling to it mm-hmm. that's like come it's also got a sort of a potentially creepy feeling depending on how you uh, how you read it like yeah. you know which is cool i think it's kind of funny like the way yola tango does that song it's it's got that kind of like is it this sweet little community where all we're, we're all going to be happy together in our warm little corner or is mm-hmm. it like maybe a cult or who knows but anyway right. <laughs> um but I, I, we i decided that i was going to buy some flowers and then toward the end of the song i would give the flowers away so that i would have i would be holding the flowers and then oh. i'd be giving the flowers away so before i sang i said well come up because i was like i'm not going to want to chuck these flowers across the chasm you know <laughs> and i was like come forward and you might get some flowers and it was like the whole audience just and the place was right it was really there were a lot of people there and the the whole audience just moved forward and it just felt so much better i mean it was like it was pretty cool before that there were enough people there that it felt yeah but it was really fun to have people like right at the end of edge of the stage thank you elizabeth majerus for joining and telling me all about moats and champagne local music scene and and your process in writing came to and it was uh, my pleasure it was a lot of fun thank you for listening to champagne is also a band podcast this is sven reminding you great music is out there go find it where you live